Well, good morning, City Light. I hope you are doing all right this morning. Uh, today, we're going to continue our preparation of consecration series and thinking and idea as we continue to talk about what does it mean to give ourselves to the Lord first and to get things in the right order. So last week, we talked about how it's not about balance, it's about order. I hope you're continuing to think about that. It's such an important principle of our life. Today, uh, the title of the message is simply this, you won't regret it. All right, turn to your neighbor, your spouse, your kids, whoever, and say, you won't regret it. Give them a, oh, you won't regret it. You won't regret it. Now, I know you've said this many times before when you're trying to persuade someone, right? We use this all the time. I'm telling you, if you do this, you won't regret it, right? This is how people try to sell you. If you buy this, you won't regret it. You won't regret it. We use this kind of language all the time to try to persuade others to do the thing that we think they ought to do. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about how much it is so unsure in life to say that you won't regret it. I mean, is there anything we can really guarantee in life that we won't regret, a decision we make that we know for certain we won't regret, a relationship we get into that we know we won't regret, a way of life we choose to live that we know we won't regret, a thing we choose to buy that we know we won't regret? It's really hard to actually say you won't regret it because it's hard to know if that's true. But I'll never forget uh, one time when I was in college, one of my uh, RAs in the dorm said this simple statement to me about Jesus as I was continuing to learn and grow. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? He said this. He said, you will never regret any time you spend with him. I just think you should take that away. I have forgotten, you know, most of the things people said to me in college, but I don't forget that ever. I've never forgotten that. You'll never regret the time you spend with Jesus. You will never regret the time you spend with him. And so as we're talking about prioritizing the presence of Jesus, as we're talking about consecrating ourselves, getting our hearts right unto him first and foremost, as we're talking about getting with the Lord and getting in our private devotion before our public ministry, as we talk about ordering our life to prioritize God first, I simply want to say this, you won't regret it. Any decision you make in response to this series to spend more time with God, you won't regret it. Any decision you make to give something up so you can get more of God, you won't regret it. And I can say that with 100% guarantee on it, and it's the only thing in life that I can promise you with such certainty that you won't regret being with the Lord, that you won't regret believing and trusting in Him, that you won't regret prioritizing Him with your time with your energy, with your resources, with everything that you have. You won't regret it. And I think this is so important as we think about our application of and response to this series together. As we did 21 days of prayer and fasting, we felt like the Lord said, hey, 21 is great, let's do 21 more. And as we continue to press in to what does it mean to consecrate myself before the Lord, we want to really think about, okay, there are things in my life and things in your life I know the Lord has been working on. I know you maybe gave some certain things up. Maybe some of you like me gave up social media for a while, right? And I'm still with you, I haven't, I haven't gotten back yet. And I just keep thinking about, man, how clear my mind is and how much the Lord is able to speak more clearly to me that I haven't regretted that. So what does it look like to apply that same kind of lifestyle and principle as we move forward the rest of the year? Maybe something you have given up, creature comforts. Maybe you prioritize your money differently. Maybe you were more disciplined to get up earlier. 
Maybe you actually, like you've wanted to, spent more time with the Lord than binging on Netflix. Maybe in these 21 days, you have changed the way you lived your life, and it's been great. But I want to encourage you that if you make it a lifestyle to continue to prioritize the presence of Jesus and the work of Jesus with your time, your energy, and your resources, that you will not regret it. And maybe the, the devil's bringing in certain types of fears in your mind, in your heart. Well, if you do this, you can't be that extreme. You don't want to be a weirdo, do this and do that. You can't possibly. Oh, nobody could really give that much time to the Lord. Or if you gave up that much money, nobody, man, you'd have to trust. You can't really trust God like that. That's foolish. And maybe some of those lies are sneaking in because you've made so much spiritual progress in a month that the devil's trying to work against that to say, that's, hey, that's a great month. Good job. But let's live differently now. Let's go back to the way it was. And so what I want to do today is simply encourage you to continue to press in, to press on, to continue to prioritize the Lord, to consecrate yourself before him with the simple truth that you won't regret it. You won't regret it. So we're going to look at Psalm 73. I just want to show you something very simple. I want to read a couple of verses to you. But as I was thinking about this sermon, one verse came to mind. It's Psalm 73, 28. It says this. But for me, it is good to be near to God. For me, it is good to be near to God. What an amazing few words, a simple verse, but as for me, it is good to be near to God. And if there was anything I wanted to affirm today, anything I wanted to affirm this morning, it's this, to you, a reminder that it is good to be near and to be close to God. It's good. And I hope you've experienced that to an even greater degree during this time. And I just want to plead with you to continue to believe that, that it is good to be with God. It is good to prioritize the presence of God. It is good to be with your Lord and Savior, Jesus. It is good to open up his word and meet with him. It is good to be with God's people, to hear from him. It is good to prioritize the things of God. It is good to be close to God. It's not just good, it's better, which is what we're going to see today. It's good to be close to God. Now, throughout this psalm, the writer doesn't get there to verse 28 without some things happening beforehand. It's something we're going to learn so much today. It comes from the way this psalm is structured. And so in verses 16 and 17, if you're looking at it in your Bible or on your phone, he says this, but when I thought about how to understand this, it seemed wearisome to me until I went into the sanctuary of God, and then I discerned their end. And so to help you understand that, the setup of the first 15 verses is the writer is very confused, he's upset, he doesn't quite understand how God could possibly be working in his life, he doesn't quite understand how the things he knows to be true about God's justice and God's goodness don't seem to be happening in front of him with the circumstances that he's in. He's very frustrated and depressed, and he's trying to match up what he believes with what he's experiencing in life, and these two things don't seem to be making sense to him until, until he goes into the sanctuary of God. Until he went into the presence of God. Things were confusing and frustrating and upsetting, and he couldn't put one and one together in terms of who God is and what God has promised him and then what he's currently experiencing in life. He was frustrated until he went into God's presence. And it was in this place, in God's presence, he says, then I understood. 
Then I understood. And from that place of understanding, now he gains confidence to live the life God has called them to live. He understands how God's justice plays out against the wicked. And then in verses 23 on, he confirms how much better it is to be with God. So listen to this. He comes out of this time with God, and he confirms this, verse 23. Nevertheless, no matter what happens, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none on earth I desire besides you. I, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish, and you will put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But here's our sentence. As for me, it is good to be near to God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. So how did he go from frustrated misunderstanding, confused, unsure, to confident, joyful, purposeful. How did he do that? Well, nobody came and told him what are five steps to a better life. Nobody came and gave him three different things to do this and that. No, no, no. What did he do? He went into the presence of God. And it was within the presence of God that he gained understanding about how God works, who God is. This is why, this is why we continue to press into this biblical truth that we must prioritize the presence of God. So here, let me help you. You're going to write this down. It's going to be kind of a main statement for us today. So a few weeks ago, right, we said consistency brings intimacy. Right? So if I'm consistent with the Lord, I build intimacy with him. If I want to experience what it's like to be close to God, I must develop consistent habits of time with him. Consistency brings intimacy. Now here's the next step of this spiritual progression is that consistency brings intimacy and intimacy brings clarity. Consistency brings intimacy. Intimacy brings clarity. All right, say it with me at, at home. Engage, all right? Listen. Consistency brings intimacy. Intimacy brings clarity. Consistency brings intimacy. Intimacy brings clarity. This is how the spiritual life progresses and works out. To say, if I build a consistent relationship with God, I will have intimacy with him. In the places of my intimate experience with God, of being close to him, understanding him, in that place of being with God, having a real, tangible experience of his presence through his word, through the Holy Spirit who lives in me, in that place, now I get clarity. I get clarity. Consistency brings intimacy, and intimacy brings clarity. And in that place of God's presence, now I understand. I understand. Now, that doesn't mean all my problems are solved, that my situation changes, or that I have a complete understanding of the way God works in all things. Of course not. But it does gain more clarity. He goes in confused. He comes out with clarity, namely in two things. Number one, in who God is. 
The clarity that comes from the presence of God confirms that God is better than anything else the world can give. See? So he goes in and he experiences the goodness of God. So this is exactly what happened in the story we, we read in Second Chronicles. They go in and they experience the presence of God. They hadn't done that in forever. And they remember now in this moment, wow, God really is better than the world. God really is better than the things the world can give me. They leave that place of God's presence revealed in a manifest way. Way, they go change their life because they had met with the Lord and it had been revealed to them that God is better. And so now you have this same writer. He goes into God's temple where God dwelled and he meets with the living God. He comes out firmly convinced that God is better. And so now he has clarity to say that no matter what happens to me in life, God is better. No matter what I have or don't have in life, God is better. And this truth, which is true all the time, was raised up in this level of importance to him because he had gotten clarity. It's always true that God is better. And for many of you watching this, you already know that theologically. You would affirm that if I wrote it down on a test and said, true or false, is God better than everything else in the world? You would, if you're here and you're listening as a believer in Jesus, you would say, true, check. But the question really isn't whether you mark that true or not. The question is, what level of conviction do you believe in? So he goes in and he gets clarity, the kind of clarity that raises the level of his conviction. To say in the presence of God, he received clarity. What kind of clarity? A magic eight ball into his future? No. He received the clarity of who God is, God's character, in such a way that it raised the level of his conviction, which allowed him then to go live in a way that was powerful, in a way that brought security and strength to his life because he had been revealed about God's character. He'd also been revealed and had more clarity on the things God had already affirmed to be true, like how God brings justice to the wicked and how God sees everything and how those who rebel against God perish. But those who follow and are faithful to God get rewarded with God and his presence and who he is. That even if my flesh and my heart fail physically, the strength of my heart, which is God's spirit, it reigns forever. These things are always true about how God works in the world, but sometimes we understand them blurrily. We see them blurrily. We don't quite get it. And it was in God's presence that he got clarity about God's character, and it was in God's presence he got clarity about God's work, about God's way. And he left from that place and was able to live differently because of his clarity. Consistency brings intimacy, and intimacy brings clarity. You know, as I was thinking about this, the other day I was driving in the car, and the car in front of me stopped, and I noticed that there was a deer crossing the road, and so the car was stopping for the deer. Now, the car behind me started honking, you know, they were super upset, and I began to understand that they're upset because they must assume the car in front of me has stopped for no reason. Why? Well, because they can't see the deer. They're, they're too far behind. They didn't see the initial crossing of the deer. The deer's moving kind of slow, so he's probably just in a spot where they can't see. Or on the, in the middle of a road, it wouldn't seem like you need to stop. And so now the driver behind me is frustrated because they can't see, and because they can't see, they don't understand. And because they don't understand, they act in ignorance and they get frustrated. Look at that. Man, that's just like you and me. Because we can't see clearly what is actually going on, we get frustrated, and what we really need is clarity. We need a different perspective. 
if he had known the deer was crossing the road and the car in front of me stopped so that it wouldn't run over a deer, I don't think they would have been honking their horn out of frustration, but they didn't know because they weren't in the right position to get clarity on what was happening. And so all they had to do, right, was be me, the car in front, or to see things happening beforehand to get in a different position because with a different position would come clarity on the situation. And so many of us have positioned ourselves in all the wrong places. We've positioned ourselves with the wrong counsel. We've positioned ourselves just in our own thoughts. We've positioned ourselves in all the wrong places. And because of that, we don't have clarity because we're not actually hearing from the Lord. And so what I want you to see from this today is that the clarity you need in your life is going to come from God's presence. It's going to come from being with him. And everything else is going to be secondary to that. And maybe the reason you're frustrated and confused is because you, haven't, you simply haven't been with the Lord. To at least get confirmation on God's character and to at least get confirmation on God's way, which are always available to you in the scriptures. Then also there's Colossians 1.9. Paul prays that they would have spiritual wisdom and understanding to know God's will. I love that verse because it leaves it in the realm of, man, I don't want you just to know God's will in general. I want you to have spiritual wisdom and understanding so you can know how God's will applies to your life situation. It's much more specific. And so for us to say, I want to be in that place of understanding so I can walk in the will of God. If I am consistent with God, I will have intimacy with him. And the intimacy with God will bring clarity to my life. Namely, the clarity of the character of God and the way of God. And these things are going to help to define my life. And they're going to lead to a place of flourishing with him. And remember, this is why order is so important. Because if we get the order wrong, we're going to miss out on these things that God has available to us. So this is why as we close. Verse 28, all those truths line up for this, to say, because all this is true, it's good to be close to God. It's good when I wake up and don't feel like it, it's good to prioritize time with God. When I'm frustrated and I don't even want to get close to God, it's good to prioritize time with God. When I feel shameful and guilty because of my own sin, it's good to get close to God, not run away from him. To say, I firmly believe this as a fact that drives my conviction in life, that no matter how I feel or how life is going, it is good to be close to God. Because when I am close to God, I get intimacy with him, and clarity from him. These are things we're missing out on when we don't prioritize his presence. We miss out on what's it like to be close to him, to get intimacy with him, and we miss out on what it's like to walk with him with sure feet, a straight path, because we have his clarity for us. Here's a closing thought I want you to think about, is that the closer we get, we get more convinced. The closer we get, we become more convinced. The closer I get to him, I become more convinced of who he is. Because sometimes, you know, we get close to somebody who we thought was a certain way, but they weren't that way, and we were fooled. And the closer we get, we're like, eh, you're not quite what I thought you were, and we're disappointed. How often does this happen in life to you and to me that the closer we get, we become disappointed, or at the very least, the closer we get, we see flaws in different people, and though we still love them, we understand them more deeply in that way. And God always, always, always gets better. He's the only one. So the closer you get to God, the more convinced you get 
about who God is. And so maybe your level of conviction about who God is is so small and low because your time with him is not very significant or because you haven't given yourself to be close to him. And so I want to encourage you today. My goal today is to pull you in, not not push you there, to pull you in out of desire to say, wow, something beautiful has been presented to me about a way of life that's available to me. Nobody's like with a whip trying to say, this is the right way to go. Just do it. No, no, no. I want you to see you're missing out on intimacy with God and you're missing out on clarity from God if you're not prioritizing his presence. And so let's continue this year and forever, by God's grace, to be a people of God who prioritize the presence of God. Because as we've said all along, in the presence of God, the victory is won before the battle has begun. So let me pray for us. As we respond to God, we love you, King Jesus. We're so thankful for everything you have done for us. We're so thankful that you're accessible and available to us, Lord. We don't deserve that. I pray, Lord, that you would give us a greater desire for your presence, for your word, to know what it's like to be close to you, that that would be the mark of your people here at City Light, that we would be a people who are close to Jesus. So make it so, Lord. Help us in our weakness, God. We struggle. We struggle to desire. We struggle to to manage our time. We struggle to really believe the things you've said, God. So help us in our weakness, wherever we're at. Everybody's listening to this at a different place, Lord. So just help us each to take a step. Give us confidence in you, Lord. Don't let us be paralyzed by our mistakes. But may we continue to press in closer to you, Jesus. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.